The Providence Journal presents Nick and Bob, the college basketball podcast for Rhode Island and around the nation with your hosts, Kevin McNamara and Bill Koch. Hello and welcome to the latest Providence Journal Pick and Pop podcast. This is Kevin McNamara here at the Journal with Bill Koch, and uh, we're going to take our weekly look at the local and national college basketball scene. Bill, Fresh back from uh, Presser in uh, Kingston today. How are you? I'm doing well, Kevin. How are you? I, I uh, understand you are prepared and ready to depart for the Big Apple. I am. Uh, I was at Providence today. They are uh, boarding. They're going to go the old-fashioned way. They were jumping on Amtrak this like afternoon that. to avoid the Connecticut Turnpike and all the fun that you can hit on the way to New York via bus. They should be in New York by about 5 o'clock today. As you know, uh, you and I do a fair bit of travel by train. You going to New York and me going to Philadelphia for LaSalle and St. Joe's. It's a great way to sort of relax and, and catch up on some work because you're just sitting there with the laptop open. I, I find it to be very nice. But there's a problem. What's that? The internet on Amtrak is not dependable. Well, that's why... And I don't care if you if you pay the big coin for uh, the Acela or, or the much preferred, for me, the regional way, because you can spread out a little bit more on the regional train. Thankfully, the listeners might not enjoy this luxury, but the Providence Journal provides us with Verizon MiFi hotspots, which certainly well, works for me. They might do that for you, Bill, but certainly not me. I, I don't even know what MiFi, I'm like Belichick. MiFi, his <laughs> fi, you fi, I don't know what that means. InstaFace, Insta- MyFace. That's right. You know, then you just take a break and, you know, go get a cheeseburger or something. So, Or a book maybe by Bill Reynolds, our colleague. Well, there's plenty of reading materials on the way to New York. Absolutely. So it goes by nice and quick, but uh, I know the Friars will be at the 2K Classic at the Garden on Thursday and Friday. Thursday night, uh, they're going to play the Washington Huskies, and I actually just got off the phone with the Huskies' brand-new coach and old-time Syracuse guy, Mike Hopkins. I was going to say, I'm sure you know him well. Yeah, very well. Uh, He was actually leading his team on a little tour of the uh, Freedom Tower. Oh, very good. uh, Needless to say, they, they came out on Tuesday to get used to the time change and whatnot. Who knows, maybe classes were a little light out in Seattle this week, but uh, uh, they've taken four days to come out and they'll play two games as well. Uh, very nice. Uh, I mean, I can't imagine that Washington gets to New York all that often. Uh, no. So it's, it's certainly worth the trip to take a couple extra days and, and get some culture there. The Freedom Tower, I don't know if you've been there since it's been open, Kevin, but it is stunning in lower Manhattan. Stunning views. Yeah, I have not. You know, tried to do the um, 9-11 memorial. Which is as sobering as the Freedom Tower is stunning. Well, you need connections like you have in New York. So, you know, I, I, I just I just showed up and assumed that I'd walk in and uh, you'd need to uh, make a reservation or whatnot. So I'm yeah. sure Coach Hopkins knew that, and I did not. So it is what it is. Right. Yeah. But we're actually going to start this podcast, Bill, with a little look at the Rams. Really difficult loss at Nevada the other night, late night for anyone who didn't stay up and watch it. It was, it was what you would expect. We previewed it. Last week as a NCAA tournament type play-in game, you know, two teams that, you know, have good experience and an awful lot of talent. And it was a a very good back and forth game. Nevada actually controlled play most of the way, but more importantly, with two minutes to go, Rhode Island's uh, senior star E.C. Matthews went down with a wrist injury. If you can bring us up to date, I know you uh, talked to the Rams today. 
Yeah, it's a fractured left wrist for E.C. Matthews. He's going to miss four to six weeks here. The earliest he'd be back most likely would be December 16th against Charleston. That's a non-conference game. The later part of that prognosis puts him at December 30th, which would be the Atlantic 10 opener against George Mason. You know, Kevin, you're just talking about a guy here, you know, on a personal level, I can't help but feel for E.C. He's a wonderful kid. He's worked really hard to get back from the knee injury that cost him the 2015-16 season. And to have this happen to him now, he's just got buzzers luck. There's no other way to put it. No, there's there's no doubt about it. I mean, he was ready really for big time years. Fifth year you know, in college, you know, a, a true, you know, he's done an unbelievable job on, on his body in the offseason. He looks like a different kid, clearly getting ready for, you know, to make a run at the NBA next year. But, you know, this is a bump in the road. If it's going to happen, you want it to happen now and not uh, in February uh, or even January. You know, it does pose some serious problems for the Rams, however. And we're going to get into that right now. I, I thought that just a little bit on the Nevada game, I think we knew that Dan Hurley's going to have a difficult time kind of finding chemistry with this team because he does have he has a lot of good players. Interestingly, like Stan Robinson was kind of the best player in the season opening win and then struggles in uh, he played 21 minutes, you know, was only only took two shots uh, in the second game. I think that's what we're going to see with the Rams, kind of a different hero every night, the exception being Jared Terrell and EC Matthews. Now that EC is not around, maybe this makes that, you know, rotation and, and chemistry search a little easier? Who knows? Well, it tightens the rotation. And it's going to force some guys to play together. You know, we asked Dan Hurley today who he feels like his fifth starter was going to be, and he said he's not really certain what his lineup combinations are going to be for Holy Cross on Sunday. Uh, you saw Jared Terrell assert himself against Nevada. It's not really a surprise. He's a high-level player. That's a high-level game. Uh, he had 24 points, which is one off his career high. The guys who they're going to need to get on track, they're Cyril Langevine, who against Nevada fouled out, you know, really didn't give much of a contribution. Nine, 19 minutes. You know, only had two points, four rebounds. They need much more than that from him. Uh, he's being thrust into a role that, you know, it, it's sort of being forced upon him. He has to be the sort of signature big guy in the front court. It's a lot to put on his shoulders. It's something they feel like he's ready for, uh, you know, but we haven't seen that yet in two games. You would expect EC's minutes to go to, like you said earlier, Stan Robinson, uh, obviously Jarvis Garrett, who had a decent night the other night against Nevada. Um, you know, came off the bench, had 10 points. He was their third leading scorer in the game. You know, and then we're going to see a little bit more of Fats Russell, the freshman, uh, who has flashed at times in each of the first two games. You know, whether that be the blowout against UNC Asheville or against Nevada, he has sort of uncommon confidence for a freshman. Uh, he's a Philadelphia kid. I, I don't think, you know, he's necessarily intimidated by anybody. So this opens the door to him. But you know, getting back to earlier today in Kingston, the mood there was very much one of the page being turned. You know, E.C. Matthews was in decent spirits. Dan Hurley made the point of saying that this is a very different team and this program is in a very different place than two years ago when E.C. Matthews hurt his knee. You have veteran guards who can step in for him. You have a team that has won an Atlantic 10 championship and an NCAA tournament. That brings a certain amount of belief with it, and he's hoping that that will carry forward here you know, over the next six weeks or so. No, it is a belief and confidence uh, that they can continue on, and, and I do believe that there's enough firepower there to, to compensate for E.C. Uh, the question is, is they built a schedule that included certainly E.C. Matthews and, and the chance to get great wins in mind, and now he's not there. I think that's the challenge, Bill. You can just list the upcoming schedule 
for the Rams if you have it there because it's it's formidable. Well, the the games that you immediately worry about now are you know Holy Cross they should be able to handle on mm-hmm. Sunday, but you're playing Seton Hall on Thanksgiving, which was going to be a very difficult game with or without E.C. Matthews. Uh, Virginia or Vanderbilt the next day. Uh, you know Virgi- Virginia's obviously a very good team. Vanderbilt struggling a little bit in the early going. They lost uh, to Belmont earlier this week, but as we've talked about. Belmont is a very good mid-major team and would be a good test for anybody. Yeah, and sorry to interrupt, if by chance URI is playing Vanderbilt tomorrow on a neutral court, that's a toss-up game. Absolutely yeah. it is. You know, then looking forward, you you spin it forward to the game against Providence at the Ryan Center. He's going to miss that one. The game at Alabama, he's going to miss that one. You know, you're going to have other tests against, you know, whether it be Iona or Florida Gulf Coast or Charleston, who's the Big South favorite. He's probably going to miss all of those games, uh, if not most of them, you know, and so you're you're really going to be in a spot where these other guys are just going to have to step up. There, there's no other answer. No, there isn't. It, it, it's it's a significant challenge uh, that Dan Hurley and his staff uh, are going to have to adjust on the fly. It's very difficult to do when you when you lose one of your top guys, and then on the backside, integrate them back into the lineup with basically the, the opening of, of the conference play. Well, the, the phrase that Dan Hurley used today was uh, EC is going to be like a great free agent acquisition, yeah. uh, you know, like at the trade deadline in baseball or something like that. You know, I guess if, if you were to look for a positive spin here, it is going to allow some of the other guys to gain their confidence because they are going to have to play more in more extended stretches. And the other thing it might do is, you know, it might keep EC's legs fresh for that stretch run. Uh, you know as well as I do the style that they play if Dan has his way, it's physical, it's defensive, it's grinding. You know, it will take a toll on your legs going into February and into March. And, you know, if nothing else, E.C. Matthews will, will work hard to get back from this. And, you know, he could be a fresh, ready player by the time they're ready to make another run. So in the uh, 88-81 loss to Nevada, uh, two things jumped out at me. Number one was... 88 points. Uh, Dan Hurley's teams do not give up 88 points. Be honest with you, they were really, really helped by 36 from the foul line. And when you know, we've talked about Rhode Island's propensity to foul a lot for really five years that Hurley has been here. Uh, when you go on the road, you're susceptible to getting called for 28 fouls, which is uh, Rhode Island had uh, f- three guys foul out. Right. They, they were in foul trouble as soon as they get off the bus. That's right. And uh, so th- that's A, you know, play without fouling with the style that URI plays is is a challenge. And then B, amazingly, they won the rebound battle 34-32, but Nevada's big guys made a significant impact. Yeah, you mentioned the fouling. It was obviously an issue the other night. Uh, but you keep in mind that UNC Asheville also shot 30-plus free throws in the opener. Uh, and that was at the Ryan Center. These guys do foul. Mm-hmm. They they do get after you on defense. They make no secret of that. And they do commit fouls. And you couple that with a Nevada team that has dribble drivers here. Uh, you know, Specifically, you're looking at Caleb Martin coming off the bench. Uh, he had 24 points. Uh, and then Jordan Caroline, who, who is a power forward type, who they were able to isolate in space. He had 28 points and 12 rebounds. And, and for me... Jordan Caroline's performance was the big takeaway in this game. This is where you really missed guys like he, uh, guys like Hassan Martin and Karan Iverson. You or I just had no defensive answers for a six foot seven, six foot eight guy who could maybe dribble it once or twice, but who could finish it at the rim. Yeah, and that was my concern with this group coming in as well. You know, we, again, 
I'm not sure what they'll see in the Atlantic 10, uh, but in the non-conference with with players, you know, from Seton Hall and Alabama and Providence and, you know, some of the other teams that they're going to run up against, they're going to face good front court players who, who, you know, are athletic, big, strong. They need, you know, Langevin and Andre Berry and uh, Kelly, uh, Ryan Preston to be ready to play right now. And that they may not be ready just yet because we're talking about really inexperienced players. This is going to sound a little crazy to folks, I'm sure, but... Uh, I, I do have a reason for saying this. I think that Langevin and Andre Berry would struggle more with a guy like Jordan Caroline than they would with someone like Angel Delgado. Because Angel Delgado is, you know what he's going to be. He's going to stand in front of you and generally try to be bigger, stronger, tougher than you. And he does that to everybody. Sure. But Langevin, you know, is not designed to defend in space. He's designed to defend the paint. And he might be more uniquely skilled in terms of, like, to use a boxing analogy, styles make fights. He might be better off just knowing that Delgado is going to come in and try to body him up and respond to that as opposed to him catching the ball on the wing and trying to drive it to the rim. It's very possible. You know, we'll see how quickly the Rams can get healthy. And again, they go on Sunday Sunday at 1 o'clock. Uh, as Bill Parcell said, Sunday at 1. It's going to be a, uh, some, some other news from today. That's going to be broadcast on Cox Sports by Mike Mancuso and our good friend Chris DeSano. We'll have the call. So you can watch that and then uh, clear the table for uh, the Patriots at 4.30. So That's right. We'll see what happens there. I'm going to switch to the Friars here. I know, Bill, you had a chance to watch Providence in Minnesota uh, on Monday night. First of all, the couple takeaways. Number one, Minnesota's good. Uh, Very good. I, I had thought coming in that they could be the best team that Providence plays maybe all season. I'm going to stick with that. Uh, I think if they were in the Big East, they easily could win. I shouldn't say easily. They, they would contend for the league title, no question. Uh, would give Seton Hall, Xavier... And certainly Villanova, those are the three favorites in the league. I think Minnesota would be right there. They were very impressive. No, no, they were very good. Uh, you know, what they did in the second half to Providence, shooting 60%, uh, you know, really winning this game going away, 86-74. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and just two or three really high-level players there between Jordan Murphy, Amir Coffey, and Nate Mason. I, I don't know if there are many teams in the country who wouldn't be able to accommodate minutes for those three guys. And Reggie Lynch at center, you know, 6'10", 280 or whatever he, he was. Uh, they, they just they threw a little too much at Providence. I give Providence an awful lot of credit because they were down early, came back, really helped by, by an outstanding crowd, you know, 10,000-plus in November for a college basketball game really anywhere uh, in the country is, is impressive. Um, uh, but when push came to shove, Providence was let down by two things, inexperience up front, although I, I – uh, Nate Watson was very good for the mm-hmm. Friars. But mo- more importantly, the seniors, uh, both Rodney Bullock and Kyron Cartwright had some mistakes. Really, Bullock didn't play well the whole game, but uh, Cartwright had a couple um, turnovers in-, in the last six, seven minutes where Providence was doing its best to get back in the game and, and just couldn't come through. And needless to say, uh, they need Cartwright and Bullock to get going at a very high level. If I was to tell you in a game that you know, Nate Watson and Khalif Young were both going to outscore Rodney Bullock. You, you wouldn't have Providence winning against too many high-level opponents. You know, Rodney Bullock, just, he just has to give them more than eight points. He, he just has to. There, mm. There's no other way for Providence to survive you know, against teams that are equally, if not more, talented than they are. And Minnesota is one of them. The other thing that jumps out to me at that box score is how much they missed Emmett Holt in that game. You had Jordan Murphy go to work for 23 points and 14 rebounds. Uh, and Providence really had no answer for him, whether it be Bullock, who wasn't physical enough, 
or Young, who you know isn't quick enough to guard Murphy. Uh, and then you know I won't fault Nate Watson. He's a freshman. He had an exceptional game. He can't be expected to stop. You know what looks like one of the best players in the Big Ten at this point. Yeah, no, he's he's you know off to a really good start. And you're absolutely right. Providence is very actually similar to Rhode Island. They constructed their schedule assuming Emmett Holt was in the game. Uh, and their opening stretch of contest right now is is looking to be a major challenge. Uh, they go to New York, as we said, to play Washington and either Virginia Tech or St. Louis. Uh, Bill, they could lose two or win two. I, I'm not really sure what Providence has right now, but that just speaks more that the competition is, is certainly stiff enough to beat them. They come home and face Belmont, who gave Washington all they could, have beaten Vanderbilt and a traditionally, you know, really, really well-coached team by Rick Bird. Uh, and then they play Boston College at home, and Boston College is vastly improved uh, with with a fifth-year transfer from uh, from Illinois State. So, you know, th- there's really no let-up for the Friars between now and, and uh, no- November the 25th. No, no, it looks much more difficult now than it did, uh, you know, when they did have Hammond Holt. Uh, you know, you just – you I guess if – you know, much like Rhode Island losing E.C. Matthews, we'll we'll take a look at silver linings. Uh, for me, the the overwhelming silver lining for Providence was Nate Watson. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and I know he's a DMV guy. Uh, David Cox, the associate head coach at URI, I uh, was speaking with him a little bit earlier this year, and he said, "Watch this, Nate Watson kid." He said, "Regardless of the rankings, we know he's a four-star guy. He's a you know highly recruited player." He said, "I've watched him play for two or three years. He's going to be really, really good for them." And uh, you know, with with Bullock and effective uh, and Holt out, we got to see Watson for the first time in some extended run, and and uh, you know, you had to really like what you saw there. No, you'll see an awful lot of him, uh, certainly in New York, and uh, kind of introduce him to. The Garden and the Friars obviously will be back there for the Big East Tournament and would like to play multiple days back-to-back in March as they will this week. So uh, we'll be back next week. Maybe a little pre-Thanksgiving primer before the Friars uh, uh, will face uh, Belmont on Wednesday and the Rams go to Barclays Center and face Seton Hall on uh, Thanksgiving night. So thanks very much and uh, we'll be back next week.